you know, and, and bring these guys up just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, a little more, a little more. Yeah, there, that's good, right? You like that? That's good right there. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, I have something real important to talk to you about tonight, okay? So let's pray. And then we'll talk about this real important subject. Heavenly Father, we just thank you tonight that you carry us in your arms of love all the time. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the faithful way and the merciful way and the good way and the wise way that you lead our lives. We thank you, Lord, tonight that uh, the world may be hurrying and scurrying about and there's all kinds of things going around, all kinds of things going on in the world we live in. And we thank you tonight, Lord, that we don't have to live with a worry or a care. We can give them all to you. In fact, you invite us to cast all of our burdens on the Lord. And we just give you, Lord, tonight our worries. We give you our concerns. We give you the things that are on our mind that have been pressing down upon us. And Lord, tonight we just thank you as we were singing tonight, you're all we need. We thank you, Lord, tonight for the peace of Christ. We thank you for the grace of Christ and the strength of Christ that's in our lives. We ask you, Lord, tonight to give us insight into living, give us insight into your ways. I think, Lord, so often we have unneeded stress in our life because of our confused, childlike understanding of life and God and the world bring us to a more mature understanding tonight of your word and of living and free us as we understand the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Let me ask you this question. How many of you ever feel like you're living your life at the speed of light? Raise your hand. You feel like life's going by at the speed of light. How, How many of you ever feel like you can hardly catch your breath? How many of you have been feeling like that since, you know, the last month, the last two months? The, raise your hand really high. How many of you have ever felt like you're coming unglued? <laughs> the airplane's rivets are starting to vibrate out. Okay. Now, this is very important tonight. This may be one of the most important messages I've ever shared in my life. And it's entitled, It's Okay to Take a Nap. And other, and other little pointers... <laughs> And other little pointers that I've learned over the years. Okay? So, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Actually, again, you can follow me along, but your Proverbs won't read quite like mine because this is a secret version that God gave just to me. In a revelation, one time during a time of prayer, I was up upon a roof and it was the twelfth hour. And I began to doze as I had been praying and fasting now for seven days. And God brought me into a vision, a vision of Him. I was lifted to the seventh heaven. Paul only went to the third, but I was in the seventh. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, It's okay to take a nap, Mark. It's okay to eat donut once in a while. And it's okay to have a corn dog. So anyway, Proverbs chapter 9 and, uh, and we're going to look at... It, it, no, no, this is a different vision. That was another vision. That. Okay. This is the Living Proverbs. Now, you have the New Living Translation of the NIV, so it's not going to read quite like this. So just follow along with me, okay? Proverbs 9, verse 11 and 12, and it says this. Wisdom will make the hours of your day more profitable and the years of your life more fruitful. Wisdom is its own reward, and if you scorn her, you hurt only yourself. So what I want to do tonight is, you know, as I told you last Saturday night, most of you, not all, I see a few people who are in their, you know, just turned 30. Most of you, I could be your father. And I've been living the Christian life a long time. And, you know, I figured I might as well just tell you some of the things I learned the hard way so that you can, instead of learning the hard way, just start living them. Right? That'd be a good idea, Right? It's kind of like, don't drive your car with the parking brake on, right? You'd like to know that, right? That's a good thing to know. All right? Make sure that you put oil in the oil place in your car and not antifreeze. That's a good thing to know, right? Well, for some of you, it's you're trying. Okay. So I want to share with you these little pointers because uh, I, have my little, I have my little ears to the ground. And uh, I have my little moles out there amongst you. 
And so I'm always trying to know well the condition of my flock. You know, it says in Proverbs, know well the condition of your flock, for riches will not stay in your house forever. And you're my little flock and Greg's little flock, and we pray for you regularly, and we talk about, hey, what are some of the needs, and how can we help our brothers and sisters, and what are some things that, you know, maybe would benefit their life. And so Greg and I, we were having one of those conversations today, and, and I was asking for his insights on maybe what he's heard, what you guys, what's going on with your life, what's go, been going on. And, you know, we sort of came to a consensus, and so we decided to entitle it, It's Okay to Take a Nap. So the first point is this, all right? You want to write these down, too, because these are almost the Word of God. Not close, not quiet, but almost, okay? It's okay to rest, recover, and take a break. God is not feral, and He is not a slave driver. Now, some of you, some of you in your quest for spirituality, to be real honest with you, you live your life at a frantic pace because you believe that that's the most God-honoring thing to do. And you feel bad if you're resting. You feel like, oh, there's so much more to do. There's so much more of a world to reach. i got to go here. i got to do this. i got to go there. And you know, have you ever felt that way? You just feel like, oh, I, just, I don't know if I should slow it. I don't know if, you know, I, I mean, Sally called the nighter. Barbara called the nighter. Bob called the nighter. You know, Jay called the nighter. Whoever called tonight. And... There's five people that I need to meet with tonight, but I really don't want to meet with them tonight because I've been busy for the last five nights. And But I can't say no because God would be displeased and Jesus wouldn't say no. Right? Did you ever go that way? Anybody ever go that way? Raise your hand. Be honest with me now tonight. Okay. Hallelujah. All right. You remember the story of Pharaoh, right? And Pharaoh uh, tells the Israelites because Moses was coming, say, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, you little slime. He said, now I'm going to make them make bricks without straw. They're going to have to go get their own straw. You know, and so he doubled the workload. And the little slaves out there, they're going and they're going and they're falling off and they're dying like flies. And It's always been amazing to me how so many Christians think God's like Pharaoh. He's got, and he's on his chariot, you know, God. And you're pulling it. Go faster! Give me more! You know? And you gotta pat me. And you know, you're kind of like dying on the vine. And somehow we think that's more spiritual, you know, if we pack 27 hours in to a 24 hour day. I don't know where we got that idea, but I just, uh, you know, because, because Celeste and Jeremy are involved in the rock, I get a unique perspective. It's, it's, and it's been kind of neat. So I have young people coming to my house fairly regularly. One day there's a couple young people in the house. And, and, uh, and I said, uh, they look tired. I said, you know what? I, I played dad on them. I pulled the dad on them. I said, take a nap. Go to my daughter's bedroom. Let's get back. And you, take a nap. Take a nap. You guys look wiped. Oh, really? We take a, go take a nap. So I go take a nap. You know, <laughs> one time, one of them was over my house. They were sitting on the couch. They were waiting for my daughter to sign up. And the next thing I know, I'm talking, and they're fast asleep on the couch. <laughs> just, just zoned, you know. And I'm going, hey, kids, don't wake them up. You know, just leave them there. Let them rest. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about young people, but, you know, you feel like if you're not close to, you know, just exhaustion, you haven't really... Honored God. So I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about balance in your life, bringing some balance in your life, that it's okay to bring balance to your life, and it's okay to take a nap, and it's okay to say no to something once in a while. Okay, it's really okay. Like, for example, if some of you, you know, don't want to come out for volleyball on Thursday night, that's fine. Just don't miss Saturday and this night, okay? That's really important. <laughs> but volleyball, that's one of the things, you know, if you want to come, fine. If you don't want to come, you don't come. Don't miss your small group either. But that's only three nights, right? Okay, that's only three, and there's four left for you. For you, child, right? I'm going to we only want three. There's four for you. Plus all day Saturday and all day Sunday, right? Because you're supposed to be taking that day of rest. So we're going to talk about that. All right, so when you get tired, it's okay to come home from work, not answer the phone machine, take the phone off the hook, and lay down for 45 minutes or... Um, 45 minutes. That's about good. Right, right in there, you know. Some of you like to take two hours. If you need two hours, take two hours. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. 
And again, I'm going to read this from a different version because I don't like what it says in your version. That's, that's the reason I'm reading out of this version. Some of these versions, you know, they, they put an interesting spin on a passage that, well, you'll know when I read this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. Okay. See to it, therefore, that you conduct yourself carefully, not as foolish, but as wise people who make the best possible use of their time because these days are evil days. Now, your Bible says make the most of every opportunity, something like that, but the true translation of the verse is to make the best possible use of your time. Yes, God is talking and teaching us about using our time before Stephen Covey was even born. You ever heard of Stephen Covey? Well, some of you are too young to know Stephen Covey. So anyway, before daytimers were invented, and before schedules and planners and all that kind of stuff was invented, there was God. And there's the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs. All right? And it's very important, if you're going to enjoy your life, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, that you learn to use your time well. And some of you, in fact, many of you, are really running yourselves ragged. All right? And, and I just want to assure you that that was not our intention to have you do that at the rock. It's not God's intention that you run yourself down to the bone till you're anemic and you've got iron poor blood and you need Geritol. And you've got mono because you're so tired, you know? And you can barely move a muscle or you feel like, man, just one more crazy thing i got to go to. The next thing you know, you're physically down and then you're emotionally down and then you start getting spiritually down. You know, the Bible tells us, right, to love the Word of God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, okay? There, there are kind of four aspects to our body. There's our heart, there's our emotional self, our spiritual self, there's our physical self, our mental self, and, and all those areas of our life we have to take care of. Have you ever noticed when maybe you've had the flu or you're not feeling well, it's real hard to be cheerful? You ever notice that? Now, you know, God gives us His Spirit and we can try, but it's probably a good idea if you don't go to work and get other people sick. It's probably a good idea if you don't try to have a lot of contact with people. It's probably a good idea if you just shut your door and lay on your bed and meditate and rest. You know, when you try to do things, you get real irritable, you get real... When you don't eat. Have you ever noticed that when you haven't eaten, you kind of... Anybody get irritable when you haven't eaten? There we go. This guy, he, he's so honest. He just shoots his hand right up because he knows... It's the truth, okay? And so, well, so is it God's plan that we go through life and we don't eat? Of course it's not. Of course, have you ever noticed that when you overeat, guess what happens? You get sluggish, can't feel like you can move, and you're sitting there unbuttoning your belt so the belly can expand, you know? Well, that's not God's plan either. God's plan is wonderful balance to our lives. He wants you to have balance, you know, balance in your life. So, let me give you a few pointers in the use of your time. You've got to learn to schedule your time. And I know you don't want to hear that word because you're 18 years old or you're 20 years old. I don't want to hear that old crap. You'll be doing yourself a favor if you learn to get yourself a calendar or a planner and take a look at your life and where it's going. Let me tell you a little funny story. Um, this happened 11 years ago. I had this little Bible study at Normandale College. And there was this young kid that I was getting to know. And uh, he, he really wanted to follow the Lord and run for the Lord. And, and one day after the new Bible study we had, he said, Mark, he just looked like death warmed over. I said, Jeff, I said, are you okay? He goes, oh man, Mark, I'm so tired. My life's so busy. i got so many things going on. I said, really? I, you know, I had no idea you were that busy, Jeff. So, oh man, he says, yeah, I'm just carrying quite a load. I said, I said, Jeff, I said, well, look, can I, can I help you? Is there something I can do? He goes, well, I don't know, you have any advice? Well, I said, okay, I'll tell you, let's, here's what we'll do. Okay, Jeff, I took out a piece of paper, I took out a pencil. I said, well, Jeff, how many, how many credit hours are you carrying? He goes, oh, 13. I said, like, that's like, that's like 13 hours of class, right? Yeah, that's kind of how they figured it. He goes, yeah, I'm in class 13 hours a week. Okay, 13 hours a week. So, so in class for 13 hours, so would you say for every hour you're in class you need another hour to study or would you say two hours to study? Um, probably two. 
I say, well, that's, so that's 26 hours, right? And 26, 13, that's 39, right? Am I right? Just pretend I'm right. Okay. So, so that's 39 hours. So, okay, so thir- I think actually it was only an hour, but we'll say 39. So I said, well, Jeff, I said, you know, how much time like, do you spend in the shower and eating all day? I mean, you know, you say, oh, an hour a day, an hour? Oh, yeah, an hour, that's plenty. I mean, I just wolf down my food and sometimes I skip. So, okay, so, well, there's seven days, seven hours. So, well, that's it. That's 46, right? 46 hours. So, well, Jeff, let, you know, how, how much time do you sleep? I, I hardly get to sleep at all, Mark. I mean, I'm so busy, I, you know, four hours. And I said, ah, well, we're just going to give you eight, okay? Eight times seven, that's 56, okay? And... He goes, well, that's, that's awful generous. So we added it up, and I said, no, well, is there anything else going on? Oh, yeah, I just have a few meetings I go to. Anyway, my point is, when it's all said and done, there's 168 hours in a week, okay, just so you know that. Uh, how, and I don't know if I remember all the accurate hours, but the bottom line was he had 60 hours left. I took my calculator out. I said, well, that, he said, that can't be right. Oh, I said, well, let's do it again. So we added the hours, we added the hours. Gee, it's 60 again. Uh, 60 divided by 7, what is that? Anybody know? What's 60 divided by 7? What? Eight you got eight and a half free hours a day, Jeff. We're three hours of sleep a night. Well, that can't be right. I said, well, are you overlooking anything? Are you, like, involved in a sport? No. Do you have a part-time job? No. Well, Jeff, numbers don't lie. <laughs> Jeff, you're wasting your time. You're wasting it. Am I getting through to you, young man? You're wasting your time. You're not busy at all. Now, I'm not saying you're in that situation. Many of you are not. Many of you have only 43 hours a week. Like, in other words, you could sleep eight hours a night, do this, eat, do that, and, and have another job. I don't know, maybe you only have 20 hours free a week. My point is, many of us don't even know because we've never added up what we really do, subtracted it from the amount of hours that everybody gets in a day, and figured out, where in the heck is it going? Right? How many of you have ever done that? Anybody here ever done that? I see about seven hands. How many How many of you budget your money? Anybody here have a budget? Well, I see a few more hands, but it's not half the room. Listen, God gives us all, well, He may not give us all the same amount of money, but He gives us all equal amount of hours in our days. There's 24 of them. Okay? So, Take some time. I'm not saying any of this to make you feel bad, by the way. I'm saying this really humorously. Go home. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. Maybe when you get the lunch hour. Take a calculator out and start writing down on paper, okay, what am I really doing? What am I really doing? How many hours a night am I really getting? You know, to be honest, most people are operating on a sleep deficit. You don't need to. You really don't need to. It's not a good idea. Unless, of course, you know, you're carrying a heavy load and you've got to be working three jobs, then... You know, maybe do them. God will give you grace. But look at your schedule and think about what you're doing, and here's why. Then you'll know what you can say yes to and what you can't say yes to. And you'll have more control of your life. And control is a beautiful thing. How many of you have ever ridden on the back of a jet ski with someone else driving? Anybody? Was it fun? <laughs> it was a total drag. I hated it. I almost killed the person who was doing it to me. You know, it was Doug Patterson, another pastor. I grabbed him around the throat more than once and said, slow down or I'm going to choke you. <laughs> and I wasn't joking. Man, you are whipped around on the back of that thing. Being out of control is not a fun feeling. Now, later on, he let me drive. That was a lot better feeling. I mean, literally a better feeling, not psychologically, because you're in the middle of the machine and your proportions centered and... You whip around and it doesn't feel so bad, but when you're on the back, you feel like you're coming off at any minute. My wife rode behind and screamed the whole time, and she's not a screamer. My wife's not a screamer. She was screaming bloody murder. Ah! Slow down, dog! Ah! You know, it was hilarious. I was laughing till I got on the back, and then I realized why she was screaming. I didn't scream, I choked. Okay? The guy who was driving, all right? 
being in control is a wonderful feeling in your life. Being out of control is a bummer. It really doesn't feel good. Okay? So get yourself together. You know, gather yourself, figure out, schedule your time, and scheduling your time, some rest and some time with God. Don't busy, you know, busy, and I'm going to get to this later. Um, don't relation relationships. Don't relationship yourself out. And that's the biggest problem in this room. And we're going to get to that in a moment. Okay? <laughs> All right. So make sure that you got your schedule going and you understand what's going on in your day and what's going on in your life. All right? Number three is found in Proverbs 21.5. And I'll just quote it. It says, The plans of the diligent lead to advantage. He is hasty. He is hasty. will come to poverty and lots of trouble. All right? So you got to have a plan. That's kind of ties into a schedule. Uh, let me give you a little secret I've learned in life. Get a routine in your life and stick to your routine. Now I'm going to tell you the hardest thing for all of you that I know it's going to be really hard for you to do. Get to bed at the same time almost every night and get up at the same time almost every day and you'll be amazed at how much more energy you feel. Now, some of you are younger than I am. So 11, 11.30 isn't a problem for you. And you can get up at 6 in the morning. That isn't a problem for you. Okay? Some of you it is, some of you it isn't. But I would strongly advocate that you try to get to bed at 10.30 at night, except on the weekends. I don't know you're hanging with people. you got things going on. And get up the next day at 6, depending on if you have rush hour. Our house it's around 5 or 5.30. Get up. So you can get yourself ready, get yourself awake, have some time with the Lord, have some time just for you, where it's quiet, it's peaceful, gather your thoughts for the day, get in your car and be to work on time so you're a good testimony. But when you continually get to bed every weeknight, or four out of five, seven of them, at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, you are a walking zombie, and pretty soon, trust me on this, you're not going to be good for anything. You're really not. And that's, you're not more spiritual. I just want you to know, it's not more spiritual to burn the candle at both ends. You're going to burn out. You're going to fade away. And pretty soon, you're not going to be real useful. And the other thing that's going to happen is you're going to get real easily discouraged. The, the more tired you are, the devil knows it's an opportune time in your life and he's going to try to discourage you. Now, you have to find what works for you, okay? You have to find what works for you. But since we're trying to reach people for Christ and since we have meetings in the evening, it's probably a good idea if you can get a job that's 8 to 5 or 6 to 4 or whatever in there so you have your evenings free. If you can get a day job you have to work evenings, then you work evenings. That's fine. But make sure that you bring some discipline to bear on your life or you're going to be out of control. And, and I just want you to know, I, don't, I love you. I don't want to be responsible for you being out of control. I don't want people thinking that those rock pastors are slave drivers and they're just pushing you to the limits. Because, you know, I, 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 we're not, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want you to have some balance in your life. You know, it's okay. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing I've, I've learned with singles over the years. You all are very relational, which is awesome. But here's what it means. Many of you have no idea what it means to be a homebody. You couldn't stay home if your life depended on it. If there's not at least four to eight people in the room with you at the same time, you're going to go stir crazy. It's like, oh, well, what do we do tonight? Oh, let's see, it's four in the afternoon. Okay, let's see, I better call four friends because I'm not sure what we're going to do tonight. I sure don't want to be alone. I would know what to do from... 5.30 till 10.30. Wow, that's like five hours. What would I do? Rest. <laughs> Maybe do a little laundry. Sit down. Think. Relax. Put your hands back in the lazy boy recliner if you have one. You know, and stare at the ceiling for a while. Well, I'm getting bored, Mark! Well, you know, listen, we all re-energize different ways, but I'm not saying lay there for five hours, by the way. <laughs> but you know... It's okay to have an evening at home or an evening at the park or an evening with your best friend. Listen, 
And I want to say something. This is not gonna this is not gonna be easy to say, but we're all trying, all of you are trying to develop your small group, okay? And particularly small group leaders, you're trying to reach out to your small group. But let's be honest. You're commanded to love everybody, but that don't mean you like everybody. Let me explain it a different way. There are some people who you're around that you really connect with. And there are other people that you're around, it takes great Holy Spirit power. And then some to deal with them and to try to enjoy them. Now, does God want you to try to reach out to them? Of course he does. But does that mean it's ever wrong to spend an evening with your best friend who knows your thoughts before you say them, who you laugh together and you cry together and you walk away going, this is the best night of my life? No, it's not wrong. It's okay. And some of you really think, my gosh, that would be so unspiritual. It would be so selfish of me. No, it's not. Was Jesus wrong to to choose 12 men who he gave his whole life to and then among the 12 he gave himself to three? Was Jesus prejudicial? No, he was not. He was not. See, I have I have the luxury, you may not realize this, but I, I get to basically live with my best friends all the time. This is, you know, one of the reasons I'm always telling us, listen, Jeremy, listen, uh, roommate situations aren't all you think they are. <laughs> it may be a little hard to tolerate your old man once in a while, but let me tell you, it's a lot better than being thrown in a roommate situation with people that, well, you know, I tell them a few horror stories. That's what I do. And I get to live with my wife all the time, you know. Sometimes we just kind of sit and look at each other. Other times we just kind of sit at the kitchen table and the kids are downstairs and we just kind of let go on one another. Not so much on one another, but on life. And we listen to each other. And so I have the luxury, you know, of getting to live with my best friend. I have other people that are, are close friends and I get time with them. And then I have other people that I'm trying to get to know and I'm trying to develop a relationship with and they, they aren't the easiest people to be around. Do you know why? Some of it isn't that you don't click with them. It's just that a lot of them are real immature and they're completely socially inept and they're totally self-centered. And so when you're around them, it's like being in a neonatal ward with a bunch of urgent care babies. And they're pooping and peeing and throwing up constantly. And their monitors have to be watched all the time. And it gets stressful. Does it not get stressful? It gets stressful to love people. Dealing with people is the most stressful business in the world. Okay? So, it's okay for you once in a while, once a week, whatever, you know, some balance here, there's balance, to be with a few good friends and just hang out, pray together, share together, laugh together, go to a movie together. Am I, am I making sense? Am I, you following me? You following me? You guys can hit me later if you want. Crucify me. That's fine. Just hang in there for a few more, okay? Um, the fourth thing is rest your heart and your spirit. Hebrews 4, you can read it later, um, but it talks about the Sabbath rest that God has given to us. It's important to enter into that rest. And that rest was purchased, purchased for us by God, by Jesus Christ. And He wants us to, to rest from all of our striving and our worries and our striving to please God. You please God. See, some of us, some of us, the reason we're not rested and we have so little oomph in our life actually maybe isn't because we're so busy. It's because we're so frazzled all the time inside. And we're just like, oh, I hope the Lord liked that. Oh, I hope I'm okay with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm trying, I'm trying. And we're like a little Christian rat on a treadmill in our spirit. Well, let's just go ahead and Turn, turn to Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Some of you have not yet grasped the fact that we are not living Old Testament Christianity, but New Testament Christianity, and there really is a difference. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says, God's promise of entering His place of rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to get there now. Let me explain what that means before you start trembling. Okay, before you start thinking I'm supposed to live afraid all the time. The author, 
who no one knows for sure, but I think it's Paul, but nobody knows that for sure, is writing to the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation was striving to please God by their works. They were striving to please God by keeping the law. And the writer is writing to them, there is this promise of entering into God's rest, so we, we, who's we? Christians? No! We, the Jewish people, you ought to tremble with fear when you realize that you're an unbeliever and if you don't embrace Christ, you're in a lot of trouble. Alright? So, for this good news, that's the gospel, that God has prepared a place of rest has been announced to us, who's us? The Jewish nation, just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't believe what God told them. How many of you in your Christian life have gone through something and now as you look back you realized you were all worried for nothing. You were all afraid for nothing. And how many of you have the maturity to realize it's because I didn't believe this promise right here in Psalms about God would take care of me. And if you'd have believed God, if you'd obeyed Him in your heart and said, hey, I remember God says He's going to take care of this. It's too big for me. My worry isn't going to add a single hour to my day. I'm going to rest in the promise. And that's kind of like growing a guy. A lot of girls, as growing a guy, they, they get they get together, okay? And they get engaged. And this girl, she grown up insecure her whole life. And I met people like this. Insecure. She grew up in a family that made her insecure. This guy's told her, look, I love you, and I love you just the way you are. And yet every day, she's worried to death that she's not pretty enough, she's not attractive enough, she's not thin enough, her eyes aren't, you know, sweet enough, her teeth aren't straight enough, her hair isn't combed enough. And every day, he says, listen, I don't know how to get this through to you. I love you. I love you for you. I like you the way you are. And I like your thighs that size. But you just don't believe it. Why? Because the TV says something else, the world says something else, or your old boyfriend said something else. But there's this beautiful place of rest if you just knock it off and embrace the truth that's being told to you. Okay? Now, that may never happen for you. Maybe, may may not. But the Bible, there's things in here that God says, hey, this is true. This is true. This is true. And I want you to enter into this rest. I don't want you all day worried. Does daddy love me enough? Is daddy pleased with me enough? Have I, have I confessed enough? Oh, I hope there's no hidden sin in my life. And it's on and on and on. Christ paid for every hidden sin and overt sin and obnoxious sin and past sin and future sin. It's all paid for. He wants you to sit back and enjoy the ride. Now, follow on to me what it says here. But it did them no good because they didn't believe what God said. For only we who believe enter his place of rest. As for those who didn't believe God, God said, In my anger I've made a vow. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though his place of rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because the scripture mentioned the seventh day saying on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. But in another passage God said they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who formerly heard the good news failed in because they disobeyed God. So God sent another time for entering his place of rest and that time is today. Today. What does it say? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts against him. Well, how do we harden our hearts? By arguing against the logic of God's word. We make excuses. But Lord, I don't, I'm not worthy of that. But Lord, I, I don't deserve that. But Lord, I don't feel like that could be true. Lord, I just feel like this is such a big area of my life. And God says, listen to me. I forgave it. I paid for it. Forget it. Well, I don't want to forget it, Lord. That's really the issue. Don't harden your heart. This new place of rest was not the land of Canaan where Joshua led them. See, the Jews, they thought the promised land was the promised land. It wasn't. The real promised land was the land of spiritual rest that we were going to get through Jesus Christ. So there is a special rest. 
still waiting for the people of God. For all who enter into God's rest will find rest from their labors, just as God rested after creating the world. Let us do our best to enter that place of rest. God wants us to enter that place of rest. We enter it by faith. Now, once you come to know Christ, you're in it, but you may not live like you are. See? You can't lose your salvation. Once you have it, you have it. But God wants you to learn to go, Jeez, Lord, this is crazy. You said you'd lead me. You said you'd guide me. Have you ever noticed how many of the epistles begin? Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. May grace and peace abound to you. You know, sometimes we emphasize the grace part. We forget about the peace part. What does Paul says in Colossians? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let peace rule. Not turmoil. Not worry. Not fretting. And how many of you have ever experienced you had rest, you ate, but you're completely worn out because you're just fretting. You're just worrying. You're just consumed with oh this, oh that. What about this? What about that? This do What's this going to be like? So, we've got to learn to rest in our spirit. The fifth thing I already touched on, but I just want to say this again. Don't relationship yourself out. You cannot be friends with everybody. You can't. Deal with it. Some of you ultra-sanguines, you cannot be friends with everybody. You can't. And I learned a long time ago that people are just going to have to hate me. When you, when you become a pastor and you're in the limelight, all of a sudden everybody puts a ton of expectations on you. Well, I'm not God. You know, you've all realized that already and I realized that uh, quite some time ago. I'm not God. I can't make everybody's day. I can't, I can't possibly communicate with every person, talk to every person, befriend every person. Neither can you. I try to be friendly to every person. But I cannot be the personal friend of everyone. Do you understand the difference? There's a difference. And some of you, to be honest, you're getting exhausted because you're trying to be friends in a personal way with 20 people. You can't do it. You really can't. Jesus was God, and he only invested himself in 12, and especially in three. And then only for three years. Right? You all realize that. Now, he was with the multitudes a lot, and that was very draining on the Lord, and one of the ways he recovered was long nights of prayer. Prayer is essential. Time with God is essential in your life to recover, but it's not the only thing, and that's something I want to make clear. Sometimes some of you think, well, I just need to read more. I just need to pray more. I just need to trust more. And you know what? Many times, that's true. I need to believe more. That's true. But often, it's, you know what, I need to take a nap. You know what, I need to say no. I can't enter into a new relationship. And I remember years ago, um, this is when I, when I first met Jay. And I met Jay at a wedding. We met at uh, Doug and Nikki's wedding. A um, few years after that, maybe it was a year, uh, Jay was in town and, and I really didn't know Jay. I just met him at the wedding. Um... He called me on the phone and asked if he could come over and talk. I said, sure. So he came over, and there were some things that he wanted to talk about, personal things that had gone on with him, and he wanted me to help. So I did my best to help, and then he asked me a very difficult question. He said, uh, and there's nothing wrong with the question, uh, he said, Mark, would you please disciple me? Would you, in other words, let's just put it another way, would you invest large quantities of time in a relationship with me? Well, now, my goodness, that's like someone asking you on a date or asking you to marry them. Or, I mean, this, I felt, he didn't do anything wrong. I just knew, wow, I'm, I'm really in a rock and a hard place. What do I say? Well, the sanguine answer is, oh, gee, well, yeah, sure, well, well, well let's try to, you know, um, get some time together. All the following in the back of my mind, there's no possible way that I can take on another relationship. But sanguines, being what they are, tend to say it anyway. And then you'll let people down. But you were trying to be nice. Right? Have you ever been in that kind of a situation? Maybe you haven't. So I said, Jay, 
I said, brother, I said, listen, um, I'm honored. I, th I think I said something like this. He may have a different memory of this time. Um, I tried to be gracious because um, I actually really loved Jay very dearly. We've become very, very close. And I um, think the world of he and his wife. Um, they're like soulmates to me. But at the time, this was about um, nine years ago. I didn't know Jay. I didn't know if Jay really wanted to follow God. I didn't know Jay was going to be around to this day. I know he is now. I didn't know that then. So I said, Jay, I said, you know, I'm really honored that you'd ask, brother. But I said, I, I got to tell you something. I've, I've got commitments already in relationships. And, and what I would do if I said yes to you, I'd let you down. And I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let you down. Uh, and if I said yes, I'd end up letting down my other commitments. They'd get let down. And then I said, Jay, to be honest, I barely know you. I mean, I really don't know if you want to come to Evergreen or if you don't, if you're going to be here a year from now, if you're not. So I'll tell you what, here's a few things you need to do. There were other advice things he wanted. So, And actually, they were, they were pretty heavy things. And, and uh, one of them was I told him to go break up with Beth. Because it was really critical, wasn't it, Jay? It was really critical at that time in your life that you did, wasn't it? And, uh, and it was hard to tell him. And then I said, because see, the situation, you have to understand the situation. Without getting all the details, Jay had sort of at that time in his life been playing games with God. Now I knew the best advice for this young man or any other young man or woman is turn your back on the games and make Christ Lord of your life. And here's how you do that practically. You stop this kind of relationship that you presently have going on. You get involved in church, you come Sunday, you come Wednesday, and you get involved in a small group, and you prove that you want to be committed to Christ. And you get in your Bible. See? So you've got some things to prove, Jay, because I don't know if you're going to do that or not. And I don't have time to play a game. Well, you know, I think that was the right thing for Jay. Now, you may think, boy, that was harsh, but it was the right thing for him. And you know what? He did. He went and did it all. And he went there and told Beth, I'm not going to go out with you anymore. Because you know why? She didn't really want to come around at that time. She was just kind of playing the game herself. Wow, did that wake her up. And you know what? About a year and a half later, was it, Jay? I had the privilege of marrying them both. Was it a year and a half or two years? Do you remember? A year? And, uh, and I couldn't be prouder of those two. I mean that. I love them dearly. But, but at the time, and for many years after that, I could not at that time, because of other commitments, get intimately involved. But, but as time went on, I would say after about three years, I, we got intimately involved and were best friends. At least, and I consider that, Jay may have a different view, but I, you know, I can't speak for him, but, but uh, you know, I think I speak for them. I know I speak for me and how I feel about them. And still, even at times, I know I may let him down or I can't do all the things I wished I could do because I'm just a human being. You know, that's something you've all got to come to terms with, and it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing, especially when I say something to you ladies. It's really hard for some of you girls because you're used to having 55 friends, you know, and you keep up with all of them, and you're social creatures, and praise God he made you that way because otherwise life would be really bland and very boring if it was all men. I mean, it really would be. <laughs> I mean that. It really would be. But, but what happens is you have so many relationships that everybody's getting leftovers and you're feeling frazzled and you get all emotional and you wonder what to do. And what you have to do is get uh, some prioritize some of your relationships. Prioritize them. Prioritize them. Okay, the sixth thing is you can't do everything. And I, mean, I said that in so many ways already. But you really can't do everything. You really can't. You can't. Try to do one or two things really well. Really well. And you know what else? You'll enjoy it. Have you ever been in so many things that you enjoy nothing? You thought you would, but you're just going, going, going. I just wish if, if I could just give myself to one or two things. You know what my secret's been in leadership for the last 12 years? You know, I, I have a lot of things going on, probably a, more than you realize. My secret is I live vicariously through other people. Uh, you may not like the person I'm going to mention right now, but I'm going to say it anyway. Ronald Reagan's secret to leadership was his delegation. He didn't have to have all his fingers in the pie. He trusted other people to lead. I couldn't do the rock 
Evergreen, oversee the other locations, be involved in Honduras, go to these Myrtle Beach things, talk to other guys around the country on the phone and give them counsel and advice, and just counsel regularly. If I didn't live vicariously through others and seek to empower them so they can do the work. Some pastors, to be honest, they're in love with being a big shot. They're in love with the limelight. And so, because they're so in love, they have this addiction to being in everything. Some of us, by the way, have an addiction to being in everything. We have to be there, have to be here, have to be there. I gotta go now. And we need to step back and go, hey, wait a minute, you know? I need to let someone else do this. They could do this almost just as well. I'm gonna go focus on this. Or you know what? They've got a good friendship here, and, and I need to build this friendship. I only got two more. Learn to laugh is number seven. Learn to laugh. Learn a Tommy Boy movie. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, just learn to laugh at life, you know? Learn to sit around with friends and just laugh. We spend a lot of time in our family laughing. I mean, we really do. Laughter has always been a part. Humor has always been a part of our lives. Uh, sometimes at our table, you know, I don't know why. You know, Jeremy's just been the clown sometimes in the family. Um, and sometimes it's back and forth. But sometimes we're just like falling off our chairs. Sometimes Jessie's just crying at the table, spinning up her food. She's laughing so hard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it does. Or Jesse will say something, you know, and we'll just all like, we'll just die laughing. You know, it's just, it's just my wife. She does some really strange things sometimes. And we'll just start laughing till we cry. She got to learn to laugh and, the la- and, and develop your sense of humor. And the last one is don't endure your life, enjoy your life. Don't endure your life, enjoy your life. Enjoy every day. Enjoy it. Some of us, you know, uh, not everybody, but sometimes it just look like we've been sucking on lemons all day. Sometimes, you know, we can put a smile on our face, but I'm more concerned about the smile on our heart. That our heart has a smile. You know? Some of us just need to practice. We answer the phone, hello? Well, I'm really glad to be here. You know? It's like, hello? How you doing? What can I do for you? Hey, this... Be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Don't be part there. And enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Embrace the task. If you're in a roommate situation is tough, enjoy it. Embrace that situation. Don't fight against it. If you know you're the hostess and you're behind the refreshment table, enjoy it. Enjoy getting to meet the people. Enjoy getting to hand out another Rice Krispie bar. I hope that if I showed you anything at Edgefest for those of you that were there, is no matter how difficult, no matter how hot it is, enjoy what we're doing. Get enthusiastic about digging through rocks. Get enthusiastic about putting on a tattoo. Do what you do with a measure of enthusiasm. The Bible says in Romans, always keep your spiritual enthusiasm. Another version says always be spiritually aglow. Another one says always keeping your fervency alive. Enjoy your life, brother and sister. And and if you're having trouble, give me a call because I'd love to help you. Maybe there's things, you know, that you're thinking that are short-circuiting your ability to enjoy your life. Maybe there's things you're doing or not doing that are short-circuiting your ability to enjoy your life. But God meant for you. um, Read the book of Ecclesiastes, but read it carefully because there's some things in there that you need to understand are written from a human and secular perspective. They're true, but but remember that all of Ecclesiastes is written under the sun. In other words, on this earth without God. At the same time, there are things that are there that are very important for you to grasp, and one of them is enjoy your life that God gave you. Or if you're married, it says enjoy the wife of your youth. Well, I tell you, you can ask my kids, but I enjoy my wife, and I'm going to whip that lady stuck with her for 20 years. You think you think your roommate situation's hard? You think you've been with the same person for a long time? You think the paint on your walls getting old? I've been with the same woman looking at the same girl for 20 years. And you know what? I enjoy her. There's times she make, makes me really mad. There's times I make her really mad. There's times I just, ah, you know, just ah, want to jump out of my skin. But you know what? That's the flesh. I don't enjoy that girl. I enjoy her. And I let her know that. 
and she knows I'm as passionate about it today as that I am at her. Why? Because I choose it. Because I choose it. Because I choose it. You can choose to enjoy your life. Or you can choose just, oh, life, oh, I'm enduring it. Oh, life's, I won't say what most people say life is, but you know what I'm saying. Okay. Well, anyway, I hope to some measure tonight this brings you a measure of freedom <laughs> and uh, that you walk out of here tonight and go, geez, I can't believe he really said some of that. I didn't really know it was biblical. But it is. It is. And if you have any questions on it, you can email me or you can call me. Here's my phone number. Some of you don't have my number. Okay? It's 612-854-7290. 612-854-7290. And if you ever want to chat, you can also give Greg a call and he's at 623-3564. Okay? Same area code. 612-623-3564. If you want to write to me, it's Zeal for God. Z-E-A-L, push the number four. Don't spell the number, push the number. God at AOL.com. Greg's at Greg at RockTheChurch.com. Okay? Listen, the reason I did this tonight is because I really do care about you. Greg and I really do love you. And we want the best for you. And we want you to be enjoying your life. And we want you feeling rested and invigorated and encouraged. And we don't want you feeling like, man... I'm just coming unglued. Because that's not how God wants you, really. You know, He may put you through some difficult trials. And you're going to have to go through them. Not over them. Not around them. Through them. What did you read yesterday when you were in your Bible? Or was it today? Through many... Did anyone write it down? That was my verse. I wrote it down. Two of us wrote it down. We don't like that verse. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of heaven and that's the truth. But don't bring the tribulations on yourself by not planning, not being scheduled, not resting when you need to, skipping your meals, and running at a billion miles an hour when you only need to run at five miles an hour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your grace and your peace. Thank you that your spirit lives in us. And thank you, Lord, you lead us. Give us wisdom as we lead our lives. Help us, Lord, to make the right decisions. We want to love people. We want to be filled up each day so that we can love each person that you put on our path. And Lord, we'll gladly go the extra mile. And I believe, Lord, everyone in this room has been going the extra mile. I just pray, Lord, you'd help them have wisdom to pace themselves, to live life with wisdom, to live life with discernment, and not be naive and simple-minded so that the devil ends up getting them discouraged and distraught and feeling frantic and worn out and exhausted. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing with this group of people. In Jesus' name, amen.